Welcome to Everything Ethical, your latest news and views from King & Shackson Asset Management for professional clients only. The information contained in this podcast is for general information purposes. Well, 2023 certainly finished with a bang for the impact and dark green ethical sector. It was a very, very strong final quarter, mainly founded upon the back of that interest rate pivot that we've talked about before, that change in interest rate expectations leading to some serious fundamental changes in infrastructure and leading to a sort of bounce in anything that was infrastructure related. And of course, that touches upon many of the positive sectors that we invest in, in particular around um, property and renewable energy. That quarter was also one where we saw the sort of relative outperformance of the M7 versus, say, the main large cap and mid cap indices um, pull back a little bit and that gap narrow. But we were also a bit concerned towards the end of the quarter that things were getting too far, that expectations for rate cuts were getting a little bit overheated. And that's a point we alluded to in our December, 20, uh, December 23 report. And it was no surprise to see some cold water poured upon interest rate expectations and to see a reversal during the month of January that sort of continued into the beginning of February. So as we're now halfway through the first quarter of 24, we are seeing some of those gains given back. And these vary in extents, basically. So the Renewable Energy Index, for example, that sort of bounced 3.96 in the last quarter is down 6% in um the first quarter of 24 so far. But I don't think that's a particularly accurate reflection of the stocks that we own. So, for example, um, one of our core holdings, Vestas Wind Systems, is still up 21% since the end of um, September 2023. And they produce some very strong and encouraging results. Solar has perhaps been a little bit more mixed, and that's perhaps where we've seen a little bit of variance between one stock being down 2% and one stock being up 9.5%. Um, because of the sort of slight differences of each of the solar stocks. But we are still seeing that good news flowing through, and particularly into the renewable energy sector. The pipelines are building, and the demand is certainly rising. The business outlook is certainly more confident. And um, we expect that trend to sort of continue to grab and continue to gain momentum um, throughout the year. The main headwinds for, say, renewable energy will remain political to some extent. Obviously, there are some eyes on what's happening, in particular in the US. Um, but we do remember that renewable energy thrived under Donald Trump in his first regime. And although there is perhaps a strong anti-ESG or anti-renewable lobby um, making itself quite vocal... Um, it's not going to stop the massive trend that is happening because this is more of a global trend and not just a US-orientated trend. And the primary motivation for this remains energy security alongside being greener or more environmentally friendly. And energy security matters a great deal for those countries without any energy resource. So whilst America makes a lot of noise, we remember that it itself is a country with an energy resource. Um, but those countries that don't have that luxury of having their own oil or gas reserves of any significance and therefore rely on importing it from the markets will be much more determined to be producing more of their own energy as they begin to fully grasp the benefits of this. This is one of the big lessons, and although it may seem like um, the Russian invasion of Ukraine was years ago, it was only two years, and in the whole global investment 
um, seen. A couple of years is not a great deal of time. That's barely planning time, let alone anything else. So what we're talking about with renewable energy and what we're talking about with this change is a sort of 10, 15 year trend action point, if you like that really is only beginning to gain momentum right now. So we remain sort of much more positive over the longer term, understanding that this is a much longer cycle business and it's not there for the immediate, you know, the returns are not just immediate, but they are going to grow in strength and in power. And we're seeing that perhaps with the performance of the electrification stocks this year. Um, The likes of Schneider Electrical, ABB, um, have been very strong as that trend um, towards having a better infrastructure, more modern electrical infrastructure continues to grow. But in the very short term, when we sort of um, report quarter by quarter, um, infrastructure and pipeline does remain a pivotal point. And they they sort of shot up in the last quarter and they've come sort of come back down. Some are positive, some are negative on that sort of um, basis for, since the end of September right now. And the swing factor or the most important factor still seems to be around pipeline. So sort of moving on from renewable energy to, say, affordable housing, when you looked at something like the PRS Wright, which has been one of our core holdings um, since they floated, actually, many years ago, um, it's their rental, the number of properties they rent out has gone up. It's over 5,000. They're getting 99% of their money in, so there has been very limited effect from the recession. In fact, that improved from 98% previously. Um, But the market was focused on the fact that, of course, they've built you know, the original project was to build 5,000 and it's grown a little bit since then. Um, but now they only have like 300 development properties left in the pipeline um, because most of the properties have been built and rented out. And there is a concern about the future growth. Now, that pipeline that got sort of massacred, if you like, going back to the Liz Trust days and all the uncertainty that prevailed since then, has not quite yet returned. And we would be naive, I think, to think that it would return so quickly. But we do still see that on the cards as coming in sort of over the course of, say, the next 12 months or so, as people start to get that confidence again to look at future business. The main in-between part that we sort of have to wrestle through at the moment is more about confidence. We do believe there might be some more mergers and acquisitions in this space as people start to scale up and people start to develop plans. So we sort of still expect a great deal of activity And in many of these cases, the NAV gap, i.e. the difference between the share price and the net asset value that many of these closed-end funds have been um, victims to because they're trading at steep discounts, is still there, um, still in the sort of 20s and 30s percents. Um, And we do expect that to close at some stage, Um, whether it goes the full hog or whether it goes back to, say, a 10% discount. um, Well, the latter is the more likely scenario in our case, but that still presents some upside. So at the moment, the markets are still struggling, still grappling with this. um, And we don't think that's going to change in the immediate term until we start to really think that interest rates are going to fall. Now, of course, that provides an interesting question. The market is still thinking around um, August. It was June. It seems to have just pushed out a little bit further. And I know we've seen other comments on our money market side on this. Um, 
I still think there is a risk it could come earlier. Um, we had the news today. Um, I'm speaking to you today on the 15th of February. So we had the news that the UK has hit a technical recession. Um, it will make great headlines, but the actual reality is much more subdued. A technical recession is precisely that. It is only technical. Um, we're not seeing sort of mass layoffs. We're not seeing mass um, sort of upsets in the market or massive downturns in sentiments. We're just seeing people muddling along at the moment. And I think that that is actually very much um, ha much the story for 2024. People will muddle along. So we don't expect that to have an immediate effect, say, on the, economy, on the economic expectations. But if we continue to have those negative um, numbers and if we continue to see inflation fall, I think those calls for a rate cut may start to come a little bit sooner, especially in such a politically sensitive year that we're in at the moment. So as we sort of anticipated in the December um, report, we have seen that kind of um, short-term pullback in some of the expectations. And um, we're now sort of um, looking to see how the market reacts over the next coming weeks. As more data comes out, we start, start getting the sort of final sort of reports from companies, which on the whole has been okay. Um, there have been a few negatives and a few positives, um, but nothing drastic there at the moment. And then the market will start to look, look forward to sort of how how the political landscape develops and how the economic landscape continues to develop. So um, pretty much as expected, so if you like, halfway through the quarter. Um, and now we're just um, subject to the data, subject to sentiment a little bit in the very short term, but pretty much making longer term decisions where we sort of feel things will be towards the end of the year rather than the end of the quarter. UK inflation earlier this week held steady at 4%, which was below the forecast uh, for a 4.1% rise. That was obviously taken positively by the markets, as a continued decline in the inflation rate supports the idea of interest rate cuts further down the line from the Bank of England. Interest rates have obviously been on a, a wild ride over the last few years, particularly over the last few months as well. The change in rhetoric from the Federal Reserve back in Q4 led to that sharp rally in expectations for rate cuts. At the end of December, the market was pricing in for UK rates to be around 3.5% by the end of 2024, which was roughly seven rate cuts priced. We previously commented on that we felt this was uh, overdone and markets soon began taking some of these cuts out, given the stickiness in inflation and the pushback from global central banks, who spoke about the inflation fight not being over. The stronger jobs data we've seen in the UK recently and the pickup in the forward-looking data points, such as the PMIs, is a conundrum for policymakers. On the one hand, you've got today's GDP release, which showed the UK is in a technical recession, albeit very shallow. The forward-looking data points and the strong jobs market does make it hard for policymakers to slash aggressively, though, particularly with inflation still above target. And that was reflected in two policymakers uh, on the Monetary Policy Committee last time voting to actually uh, hike interest rates still. Despite the prospects of rate cuts later in the year, which we do think will happen, Cash management will still play an important role, particularly for those extremely low-risk clients or entities like charities who want to enhance the yield but still need security and liquidity. From our cash management point of view, this week we've been able to pick up some six-month treasury bills. Uh, done that in the last few days, we're picking up levels above where they're issued in the primary market. And uh, we took the moves earlier in the month as well to lock in some higher yields over a slightly longer-term period of one and two years. 
I mean, you're you're a trustee of a charity, Wayne. Can you just talk to me a little bit more about why it's so important that you can enhance the return to then try and meet some of the underlying charity needs, but also why it is important that it's secure and it is liquid and it is flexible? Good question, Harry. Um, And two very important considerations. Security is important, especially if you have large amounts of money. We must always remember that only a certain amount of a bank deposit will be guaranteed. And there's also something about security in the fact that um, where you have the money. Um, We're always worried about internet fraud. And I always feel that having that money in a government security somewhere away from your main bank account does provide that extra layer of security as well. So, yes, I think from a security perspective, it's also good to obviously have your money with the Bank of England. I don't think there's a better bank in terms of um, security for sterling deposits. So all those factors together help, especially if you have a large quantum of money, not necessarily leaving it in just your bank account. The second factor about rates and returns is really important. Everyone's under pressure to obviously make sure they get the best returns for the charity. And sometimes you can be offered, as you remember, you go back to the Icelandic bank scandal many, many years ago, people might be offering higher rates, but you're taking a higher level of risk. Here you are getting better rates than what the banks are offering, and you're taking a lower level of risk because your money is going into the Bank of England. And for charity trustees, that gives you the ability to be rest assured that you have chosen probably the most secure entity, that is um, CET1 Capital, after all, this is where banks will be putting their money. And at the same time, you're getting rates not that far from the Bank of England rate. Even after fees and everything else, you're still in the high fours at the moment, um, pushing around 4.9. And that is a good return. And if you think if that's doubling the current interest you're earning, perhaps on your bank account, with the same kind of access albeit maybe it might take a couple of days to get your money and you might want to take it out in bigger and larger chunks, Um, I think that is a far better level of service. So I think those two things for a charity trustee, where you have that fiduciary duty, one for safety, where you have that duty also for getting the best kind of return, obviously, so that more money can be going into the charity's mission, are very, very important. For professional clients only. The information contained in this podcast is for general information purposes and should not be considered a personal recommendation or specific investment advice. Please remember the value of investments and the income arising from them may fall as well as rise and is not guaranteed. King and Shackson Asset Management is authorised and regulated by the UK's FCA.